Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Invasion did 770,000 buys on pay-per-view. To give you some context, WrestleMania 17 that came a few months before did like 1.04 million buys. And we all talk about that like it's the best flipping WrestleMania ever. That's mostly because it is. But that is the interest that it had. Even without all these megastars, people couldn't believe that we were going to get CWWF as ECW versus WCW. And they were happy to put their hand in their pocket and throw money at their television screen before remembering that's not how it worked. And then they probably phoned someone. <laughs> had a phone, but it was 2001. But I totally get this because I was one of these fools that was so pumped for this. Because seeing Paul Heyman and Shane McMahon and Stephanie McMahon come together to say, oh, hey, we're the alliance now. I wasn't really thinking about the fact that we hadn't seen Goldberg, we hadn't seen Hulk Hogan, we hadn't seen Kevin Nash, we hadn't seen Ric Flair. I was just going, this is like Nintendo and Sega coming together. This is like Nike and Adidas making one special shoe. So all of it just felt like this really cool dream, but was also the reason why it eventually imploded. Because as it turned out, we did need this extra firepower. And Vince McMahon had already decided, well, I'm not going to give an inch to any of the World Championship Wrestling or ECW roster. So instead, the World Wrestling Federation would just basically basically like run them over week in week out and I tell you for a good six months that is all we saw on wrestling TV. It was also strange because by the end of it it was WWF guys fighting WWF guys although these were WWF guys that had defected which of course brings the conversation to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Because do you know what happened before this pay-per-view one of the greatest returns ever? Because ever since Wrestlemania Stone Cold Steve Austin had basically turned into some kind of loopy insane care bear but Vince McMahon knew no I don't need that Austin, I need the real Stone Cold. So was begging the rattlesnake to go back to his former self so he would go out there and kick everybody in the bum. Seriously though, go and watch when he does walk down that rampway to finally kick the Alliance's ass. My word, the reaction is life-affirming and I could actually watch it for the rest of my life and I'd never get bored of it. Jim Ross here is absolutely perfect too, just going, oh, he's walking, he's walking. This is all time. So why then, after he had helped redraw the audience and got the WWE Universe so excited, was it decreed that at the Invasion pay-per-view, he should go back to being a villain? Well, I have the answer for you, and it is... I don't think the WWE knows. I suppose from Austin's point of view, he was just desperate to do something different. I mean, he had trailblazed, so he did fancy a change. More power to him. It just isn't what any of the audience wanted to see. And look, storyline-wise, it was pretty good. It was pretty damn good, because how had ECW and WCW turned the WWF champion against his very own organization? 
But the issue is that the champion should have been Stone Cold Steve Austin, it should have been somebody else, and the buyout wreck neck should have been the dude leading the charge to try and win it back. So I guess that everybody deep down was thinking this could be Stone Cold's Hulk Hogan in 1996 moment, where he does something so crazy it sparks business, but Stone Cold Steve Austin was not Hulk Hogan. And in 1996, people were ready to boo the red and yellow. But even to this day, people just don't want to boo Austin. Sometimes that's the way the cookie crumbles. Another idea behind all of this as well was that we could build to SummerSlam where we were going to do The Rock versus Stone Cold because Rocky was about to come back from Hollywood. But then once again, the powers of me went, wait a minute, isn't him coming back like a draw all of its own? And somebody else went, oh yeah, good point, and it got scrapped. This is why Kurt Angle and Booker T were worked into those positions instead, and the best trivia that I will bestow upon you today is that the Invasion set, which is pretty damn good to be fair, was still being worked on <laughs> during Sunday Night Heat. When Chavo Guerrero arrived, he had to come out of the wrong tunnel, because there wasn't another tunnel to come out of. Honestly though, I don't care, because it does look for boo and something we should bring back today. And yes, apparently, those rumours that WWF only got permission to use the ECW name legally two days before this thing, well look, I read a lot and everybody says that it's true. So for better or worse, it is one of the most important pay-per-views in history and I'll let you debate that in the comments, but in front of 17,000 fans in Cleveland, Ohio, it is WWF Invasion. Let's retro up those doubts. All you need to know about how Vince McMahon actually saw the Alliance is proved as soon as this show starts. Because guess who's just in the ring without an entrance? It's Lance Storm and Mike Awesome. And even though Lance wants to chat to us for a little while, before he can even get a word out, Edge and Christian are here. I mean, we really should have known. I do believe this is the first time that Mr. Storm has come up on ups and downs, though. So I just say, one, he is an underrated gem. He is such a good wrestler. But also, two, if you consider yourself any kind of wrestling expert or you want to be, you need to listen to what this man says about sports entertainment. He never gets it wrong. Well, rarely. This also seemed to be a time when Mike Awesome was a little bit lost, because you know back in the day he could absolutely smash it. Whereas on this evening, well, he couldn't quite get it together. Case in point, Edge gives him a drop kick and it misses by about 67 miles. <laughs> but Mike takes that bump anyway. And of course, these things do happen, but it doesn't mean that it wasn't funny. And all of these four dudes clearly are so ramped up by the loud crowd. I mean, within about 120 seconds, they just diving out of the ring. And when Christian does it, he catches his foot on the top rope. And I tell you, I screamed, oh no, he's going to die. And then remembered, I knew he wasn't going to die because he's still wrestling today. This poor man too, he gets absolutely obliterated here. Like at one point, he takes his horrible nasty fall into the top turnbuckle and then later on he just gets thrown into the barricade but nobody is taking care of him. You already know the deal though. If you weren't associated with WCW or ECW in any sense, Vince McMahon was just going to run you into the ground because he wasn't behind your creation. How many times have we heard that over the years? He wanted to be the guy pulling all of the strings and if you had found any momentum anywhere else, well, it really was going to be an uphill battle. I mean, look at Bill Goldberg. It is still a fun tag team match though and the finish especially makes you go, isn't that cute from a 2021 perspective? Because Mike Awesome is about about to give the awesome bomb to Edge when it's Christian that hits him with the spear. Then Edge and Mike Awesome all tumble down, allowing Edge to get the one, two, three. So that's one to nothing for the WWF. And just know that all the ones they are going to lose 
Well, they don't really mean nothing, but I tell you, decent start up. Cue the Vince McMahon in the back who is basically dancing around because he's so happy when William Regal arrives and goes, oh, Vincent McMahon, I'm so happy to tell you, Stone Cold Steve Austin is here. Should we go say hello? And Vince is like, no, just leave him be. Regal is also getting ready for his match against Raven. So McMahon tells him to be like George Washington. That is really weird. And take that last segment and stick it right into your brain because somebody somewhere also decided, well, if all the wrestlers are fighting, surely the employees should be having a scuffle too. So why don't we do a WWE referee versus a WCW referee? Somehow this got greenlit. Now, actually, this is a really good idea because it does tie right into the narrative. This would be the case. If anybody's on your turf, you're going to get pissed off. But that does not mean that you have to turn it into a professional wrestling bout. Because, yes, it is Nick Patrick representing WCW, taking on Al Hebner, who's representing the WWF. And for reasons nobody knows, Mick Foley is a special guest referee because I guess he's the right man to bring authority to this thing. I'm just crapping out words. All the WCW refs tried to interfere, so Foley goes, man, you've got to get out of here. And then back in the ring, Earl Hebner gives Nick Patrick a spear to get the victory. I'm like, why would you do a spear? The first match ended with a spear. Why didn't you just punch him in the face? Thankfully, it is really short. I mean, I don't think it goes longer than two minutes. And it's actually not as bad as you're probably thinking right down in your tootsie toes. But my big question is always this. Who wanted to see it? And especially when you couldn't get like the likes of Sting. If I had told you back then one day we're going to have an invasion pay-per-view, but oh man, are we going to get Sting versus The Rock? And I went, no, but we will get Earl Hebner versus Nick Patrick. You would have need me in the balls. And when I was rolling around going, oh, my testicles, I would have understood it because it doesn't seem fair. That's why it's getting it down. Foley also applied Mr. Socko to Nick Patrick afterwards because again, we have to try and destroy these fools as much as possible so you know, even though Vincent Kelly Mann bought his competition, they've never been better than him, even in a storyline that he's writing. And if that made no sense, it's because the whole thing didn't make any sense. Advert for the first season of Tough Enough follows this, and my word, I felt old, felt like I needed an MVP stick, when we're reminded that on a recent episode of either Raw or SmackDown, DDP had got Deborah, Stone Cold Steve Austin's wife, and locked her in the trunk of a car. Don't forget either too that at this stage, Stone Cold Steve Austin had already defected, but we didn't know. So his plan was, hey Diamond, go and get the love of my life and put her in the boot. Honestly, there's a big reason why none of this worked. The biggest part being, why were we treating DDP like this? They did not understand what they heard. Deborah and Sarah are then shown on screen and Deborah's really mad, as is Sarah, because they both think Diamond Dallas Page is a pervert. Who in their right mind would look at Dallas and go, well, he looks some kind of sex pest. Let's just move on. We're well, saying that in many ways, they got off easy. Because next up, we had the APA taking on Sean O'Hare and Chuck Palumbo. And if you were like me, around this time, you were looking at Sean O'Hare and Chuck Palumbo going, these two have got something. They're young, they're sprightly, they come across like a good tag team. I hope they get a shot in WWE. And they did get a shot, but it was a shot from Bradshaw as his fist came soaring towards their chin. It's not like they get squashed, but just some of the liberties that the APA take here. Deep down, they must be like, we really hope WCW and we're going to take advantage of this. I swear at one point, Bradshaw boots one of them and actually tries to break their knee. And I also think there was a thought process by some of the WWF roster that they didn't want all these new guys coming in trying to take their spots, especially because the people trying to take their spots also tried to put them out of business. So they were like, we will rough them up. And if they go complain, we can say, see, they don't know how to be a team player. 
and out the door they would go. The crowd are super loud for most of this, which does make it better than the sum of its parts. And then Bradshaw just slams Chuck Plumbo with this clothesline from hell, which was so stiff, I think I broke my neck and they get the one, two, three. And as we know, we wouldn't really do anything with these two guys, which still seems completely baffling to me. Is gonna down. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Back to Vinnie Mac after this, who is still doing his jig when he's joined by Chris Jericho, who says the E in Paul E. Dangerously stands for ooh, and then they both take some really, really mean shots at this man, to the point I was like, I don't think this is very fair, although you can just see it in your mind's eye. I don't think Chris Jericho came up with this. I would guess it was written by Vince McMahon. Vince finishes with Y2J's catchphrase, which I suppose is meant to be cute, and then you cut to Stephanie in a different locker room who just squeals how much she hates Jericho. It's like nails on a chalkboard. Bless Paul Heyman, though, because he is backstage with Steph and Shane McMahon, and he just makes you feel like this is the biggest thing you've ever seen in your life simply by cutting a promo. I do not want to think what would happen with this without him. That's a huge reason why our next match, Billy Kidman versus X-Pac, works so well. Up. It also felt extra special because it was WCW Cruiserweight Champ taking on WWF Light Heavyweight Champ. And as ever, when you get two people like this in a ring in 2001, it's a bit like looking into the wrestling future because they just go, go, go. They're so quick doing flippy dippy moves. X-Pac is still booed here, even though he is on Team WWF and everybody else in the World Wrestling Federation is getting cheered. And I do want to say... I don't know how all of this happened, but I do not believe this man got the credit he is due at times. He was like a savant when it came to wrestling, and we just go, oh, we don't like you. It's not right. But you get punches, you get dives. Like I say, it's just speed, 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 and it's exactly what the pay-per-view needs at exactly the right time, because all of a sudden the fans are even more buzzing than they were, and if nothing else, you sat on your ass at home, you're having a good time too. Kidman even kicks out of the X Factor, so we're either trying to bury X-Pac or make sure that Billy Kidman was the best thing ever, and then he hits that wonderful but also terrifying shooting star press. I don't know how Bill did this. It was like half parts the greatest thing you've ever seen in your life and half parts, oh my gosh, he's going to fall on his head. But sometimes he actually did. It does mean that WCW finally gets a win. And if we had just put a bit more effort into the rest of the matches, like we had done this one, I'm sure Invasion would have lived up to its billing. Really is pretty good. Celebrations with Shane and Stephanie afterwards when DDP arrives... And yes, once again, he is told you've got to act like some kind of sex fiend. 
I will never get over it. It kind of ties into the next segment too, because Tori Wilson and Stacey Keebler are here, and they basically go, man, wouldn't it be great to have sex with the Harley Boys? And I was like, why did I used to watch this crap? Why did I used to watch this shit? embarrassing. And I went from embarrassment to sadness because what happened next, it just was not wrong. Because I suppose it was just something the crowd didn't want to see, but we do get Raven versus William Regal and these two guys are tremendous at what they do, especially Regal, who as far as I'm concerned is one of the most underrated wrestlers ever. So when the audience started chanting boring halfway through, well you would be able to pinpoint the moment my heart broke like Ralph Wiggum on The Simpsons. They really do kick the crap out of each other as well, although opposed to that tag match, this seems more of a, hey, hey, let's go out there and have a good match. And I suppose at this juncture, Vincent Mann went, oh wait, I do have to let the opposition win some of them. So out come Taz, he does the distraction, he causes the interference, Regal gets hit by the even flow DDT, and he loses. The problem is it doesn't feel like much of a win at all, which is absolutely the point. But once again, just William Regal, he's in the ring doing his wave beforehand. Made me feel really happy just with life. But come on now, we've got to tell the truth. Down. The man is back next and he's trying to wind up The Undertaker, getting him all fired up for his match. And he basically shouts in his face, Hey Undertaker, remember that time DDP tried to have sex with your wife? And I'm like, ah, I can't watch this anymore. Kane's there like, oh, I don't think this is a good plan. (laughs) Sometimes it can be so dire. And then honestly, I do not remember what came next. I could have taken my brain out of my skull and gone through my file effects. And I don't think I ever would have come up with this because it is Billy Kidman, Albert and The Big Show taking on Hugh Morris, Chris Canyon and Sean Stasiak. (laughs) Excuse me, meat. I mean, what is that? Where did that come from? And I don't want to sound like a broken record, but once more, if you've just heard on paper or down the dial phone that it's going to be WCW versus WWF and then you get meat back in the company, well, I do not think you're going to be a very happy pup. It's as transparent as you like too, because it's clearly just another smosh fest to try and get the Alliance another win. I mean, despite having six people in it, it doesn't even get to the five minute mark. And even though Hugh Morris is able to get the victory after a Canyon reverse DDT, afterwards, all the WWF guys massacre these people to the point that if you had tuned into the pay-per-view at that very second, you would have assumed there had just been a car wreck. So the message was nice and simple. They had fluked this and their punishment was certain death. Down. With that in mind, thank goodness for Booker T because we go to the backstage area where he is here and Booker T instantly is coming across like a big deal because of course Booker T was a five-time, five-time, five-time WCW champion. This is Nuts Booker T as well and I love Nuts Booker T. They get so close to Shane McMahon because he's just so up there with energy that you can't help but laugh but he was so damn good in the ring I would actually throw Booker T into the underrated category even though lots of people love him he's better than you remember. We also cut to William Regal who's just yelling at Tajiri because they used to have that really good opposites and track relationship and he does finish it by going, bloody hell, Tajiri, you need to win. As a British person, I felt pretty good. It was then Tajiri versus Taz, and I wasn't 100% sure who was meant to be on each team. Because, of course, Taz had come in long before this, and Tajiri, well, he'd been around too. It's not like they had any loyalty to any promotion. This is really stupid. I did actually have fun, though, because on one side you have Tajiri, who just throws these amazing kicks. I think sometimes he was just booting people in the face for real. But on the other, you have Taz, and nobody threw a suplex quite like Taz, because once again, he kind of just dumped them right on their head. You could call this before it began, though, because in 2001, the WWF just did not like Taz. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's a mystery, a la evolution. So, of course, Tajiri goes, 
and he spits the green mist right into his face. He then hits the buzzsaw kick, which again is the stiffest thing you'll ever see in your life, and he wins. This was far better than a lot of the other stuff we did get on the card, though. However, after that, you just get the worst segment of WWF New York, because Bob Holly is signing autographs when he sees someone with a WCW t-shirt on, and even though this nice fan wants an autograph, instead, Bob Holly beats him up. What a schmeral. We then got to a situation which was basically, well, you can't hold good talent down. Because it was RVD versus Jeff Hardy for the hardcore title, and I got no bones about saying it, this is the best thing on Invasion. RVD was already over with the fans, because he just had something about him that the fans always liked, and you could use that exact description of a Jeff Hardy. So when they were in the ring, and they were flying around like absolute loons, well, you cannot help but be entertained. Up. To try and get himself booed, RVD does just slam Matt Hardy with a chair before we did begin, but no one cares about that in 2001, because you just had to tune into any single wrestling show, and you'd see someone get slammed by a chair. They also loved RVD, mostly because he did drugs, and because when he is in the ring, I mean he's jumping off barricades, these two are jumping over the top rope, people are being thrown through tables. You're not going to remember a ride chair shot from 10 minutes ago, when these two guys are giving you every single thing they have. Do not forget as well that back in 2001, it Western wrestling, not everybody was doing stuff like this. And by the time Jeff Hardy brings a ladder in there and gets shoved off the top and takes this hellacious fall, well, that's it. They have won. If that wasn't enough, two RVD then boots a chair right into Jeff Hardy's face, and surprise, surprise, he gets busted open. And when Jeff goes for the Swanton Bomb, he misses. Now, I have talked about this on modern ups and downs all the time. Jeff Hardy never hits the Swanton Bomb. And here, we've gone 20 years in the past. And he still can't do it. Jeff, change your move. It does allow Rob Van Dam to get to the top rope instead and hit the five-star frost blast to get the one, two, three. This one of those matches where nobody loses because the effort is through the roof. It, of course, pissed off Vince McMahon, though, who is now back once again. And here he's yelling at Kurt Angle, telling him that he's got a win for America because I suppose WCW hates the USA chocolate and babies and marshmallows and pillows. I don't know. I would much rather talk about that though, because then the Attitude Era slaps you right in the face. Oh boy. Because it is Trish Stratus and Lita taking on Stacey Keebler and Tori Wilson in not only a bra and panties match, but as it is advertised, the first ever tag team bra and panties match. Now, this doesn't really make any difference. You still have to try and rip off the other opposition's clothes. So they do do that. Mick Foley, for no reason, is a special guest referee once again. And I know people are just going, oh, Sam, you've forgotten. Horny teenage boys. I need to worry about horny teenage boys. I need to be worried about not being mortally embarrassed when I'm watching my professional wrestling. And that's how I felt here. Down. It did lead to our main event and the inaugural brawl as Team WWF fought Team WCW and ECW. And look, it does have major problems, mostly that when you look to the lineups, you're like, well, that's a WWF guy, that's a WWF guy over here, that's a WWF guy, that's a WWF guy. And you were desperate for WCW and ECW guys that you were never going to get. But it is Steve Austin, Kurt Angle, Chris Jericho, The Undertaker, and Kane taking on the Dudley Boys, DDP, Booker T, and Rhino, and they get a long time. I think they almost clock in at 30 minutes, and you can't say they don't work their ass off because obviously they work their ass off. We also injected enough hoorah into this to get you all excited about it because beforehand you have the speeches from Vincent Mann and Stephanie Mann and Shane McMahon to the point that by the time they're coming down to the aisle you're like man maybe this is the biggest deal of my life I better pay attention. I suppose really we only need to talk about Austin here because it does tie into everything we chatted about in the intro but once again 
the reaction he gets here is quite clear evidence that the plan that we do have is going to fall into the exact same trap we did at WrestleMania 17. But we just did it again anyway. And look, do not get me wrong, I love crazy paranoid I don't trust anybody Steve Austin, but on a greater scale, it's not what people wanted and how many times we talked about that when it comes to professional wrestling. Just give the fans what they want and nine times out of 10, you have a successful product. The match goes nuts halfway through because everybody is hitting a big move and referees are being knocked out all over the place. And I was like, wait a minute, is this the birth of the tag team klaxon? Once again, if you watch ups and downs week in, week out, you know the tag team klaxon is when inside a wrestler's head they hear ah, which means they're now allowed to get in the ring and do whatever the hell they want because honestly it's like a gun goes off they all of a sudden just take the rules and go nah I'm not interested because I mean Rhino gets thrown through a table the Undertaker and DDP fight to the back because never forget the DDP is a massive pervert Shane McMahon hits his dad with the World Wrestling Federation title right in the head so much happens towards the end of this you would not be able to fit anything else in if you wanted to of course the big twist throughout all of this is that Kurt Angle actually hits the Olympic Slam onto Booker T, but there's no referee to count the one, two, three. So Steve Austin goes and gets one. He throws him in the ring. Just when you think it's over, Austin boots Kurt Angle right in the skull, gives him the stunner, grabs Booker T, throws him over our Olympic gold medalist. And if you can believe it, the Alliance has defeated the World Wrestling Federation. It also meant the Alliance had done it, Mr. Burns had won it, and then when you see Austin celebrating with Shane McMahon, Stephanie and Paul Heyman, it is a moment but we've already talked about it. And it did within the confines of this few seconds make you go, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. But then yes, almost instantly you're like, well no, I don't wanna, I don't wanna watch this. That's not why I tuned back in. And once again, we just drove potentially a million people away. I mean, that's a wild exaggeration, but it was a lot. That is all after the fact stuff though. And in terms of what we did on this evening, it absolutely does its job. I mean, it's bonkers, it's all over the place. It makes you believe that either team could potentially win. And we do have our big surprise ending. And don't pretend that we aren't all clamoring for a surprise ending every single month, because we are. It's just so poorly thought out because it's the wrong guy, but it does make you go, oh, I can't believe it, how did he turn this back on me? Oh God, oh, you rip my heart out and you do a crap over it. That was a bit too much, but still, as always, before I bid you adieu, I will give you the Wrestling Observer rating so you can get a second opinion. The opening tag match got two and a half stars. <laughs> Dave Meltzer didn't even bother to give a rating to the referee match. APA versus Sean and Chuck got one star. X-Pac versus Billy Kidman got two stars. Raven versus Regal got a quarter star. So did that man six-man tag team match. Tajiri versus Tag got one and three quarter stars. Hardy versus RVD smashing out with four stars. No rating for the women's match for obvious reasons. And the main event got a very respectable three and a half stars, especially because Austin was injured during all of this. He had like broken bones and he still managed to fight. So it is a difficult one because with all the hindsight, I do think, man, we botched the invasion, we shouldn't have done it. But at the time I loved it and watching here, being able to kind of put myself in that time period, I enjoyed it again. So I am absolutely a huge problem because I'm going to give it it up. It doesn't even deserve it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.